Hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. I'm Cyrus, and I'm looking forward to drinking some wine with you this evening. And I'm Brittany, and I got some brand new spectacles. Oh, yeah. noticed? With the clip-ons. With the clip-ons. Super cool. Pair eyewear, not sponsored. (laughs) So uh, today, we will be drinking a few wines from the United States, where we're from. Yeah, (laughs) which is great. And it's uh, such a big country that... There could be uh, so many different styles, but uh, we didn't actually find that to be true when we went to the store, really. Not huge. I mean, there's, I guess it kind of makes sense in terms of where we're located on the world, but there's a very select type of wine that is typical around here, but there's some surprising ones around as well. Yeah. Well, um, as usual, I brought a white. And I brought a red. Intro. So, Brittany, what do you have for us this week? Yes. So, for the red, we have a 2019 red blend called Syzygy. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) Um, It is from the Willamette Valley. That is in Oregon. It comes in at a weird 11.2% alcohol. The red blend is interesting. So, what got me to pick this one was there are three different types of grape varieties. One of them being Chardonnay. Interesting. Which I thought was... Very interesting for a red wine. There's also Gamay Noir and Pinot Noir as well. Um, And syzygy actually means an alignment of three celestial bodies in a gravitational system. So grapes are technically a celestial (laughs) system, I would say. So That's what the marketers want you to believe. (laughs) Exactly. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, the bottle spoke out to me. There's like this rectangle... Uh, that has like pink and blue and there's three circles inside of that rectangle. It's very artsy. I would say it's super modern for sure. And what I thought was interesting, there's no, on both of our bottles actually this week, there's no plastic. Usually there's plastic that we tear off. Or foil, yeah. Or foil on the bottle. But I think it's like trying to get into more sustainable stuff, which I think is great. Yep. It's also a cost savings for them and not necessary. Yeah. So I guess I'll open it up. Yeah, get in here. So it's very interesting how light it looks. I almost wonder if that's the Chardonnay grapes coming through. But it's it looks very thin in, in terms of redness. Yeah, it's pretty cloudy, I would say, but it's not uh it's not hard to see through. Well, let's get in here. Great. Well, I think my first instinct is it very much reminds me of Pinot Noir in terms of the earthiness that I'm getting. Just the earthy notes on the nose, but I'm not getting a ton of fruit. So, Yeah, I agree. It's very earthy, uh, blackberry, mushroomy. There's some, there's some kind of, I don't know, floral, but it's like wilted flowers you know what i mean it's not like fresh flowers kind of it's not green um and yeah it's a it's a it does smell like pinot noir (laughs) so uh why don't we taste it great there's something almost copper metallic about it it's kind of uh it's kind of really interesting it leaves an aftertaste like like a metal yeah a little bit but it's enjoyable i think oh yeah Uh, that's not the only thing there's definitely 
blackberry still coming through and the kind of fruit acidity and and i think the raw earthiness is coming through very deeply in this wine mm -hmm. i don't taste a lot of features of the chardonnay in this nope it's well blended it's super well blended but it is reminding me a lot about pinot noir but it's just very light though i think that's Agreed. what is balancing it out a little more is that it's not that full bodied Pinot Noir taste. It's bringing in those lighter complexities from the Chardonnay to make it this light bodied, but savory type of red wine. Yeah. I like that there's some acidity at the end. Um, and that, that kind of metallic minerality is really interesting. It's quite good. It's, it's, um, definitely not like any Pinot Noir I've had. And I, I would never have been able to identify a Gamay in there, but, um, Knowing that ahead of time, uh, it definitely lends some just some interesting uh, departure from just a plain Pinot Noir. So that's cool. Yeah, I think I love the uniqueness of it. They just wanted to take Pinot Noir and kind of elevate it or make it different. And that's what I love the most about wine is just people experimenting, trying different things. Of course, you can love the traditional Merlot or Chardonnays or those types of things, but... I definitely like wines that stand out like this a lot that take the complex flavors, but also bring in some lightness or even some more darkness or that sort of thing. So I think that they really did a really great job with this, especially since I kind of have this stigma about United States wines. <laughs> I just like to stay in the European countries. Well, Brittany, what should our listeners know about wine from the U S yes. So as we know, there were a lot of European settlers who came to the United States. They decided to plant a bunch of grapes that they got from European countries. Now, the earliest attempts of doing that in the United States didn't go so well. <laughs> Just wasn't successful. Uh, climate in the eastern United States was very different. And so, like, they, they tried all kinds of things that they knew how to do in other countries. But coming to a new country, of course, it's not always going to work out. That being said, by 1850, or like the 1850s in general, wine became pretty popular in general. They started growing it a lot more, and there were wineries all across the United States. Like, there are some in every single state also, which is super interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, it wasn't every, I mean, it's not every modern state, right? Because there weren't as many that back then. But well, it was every state at the time. Every state at the time. But... Today, there's there's some in every state. Yeah, we even double-checked. Alaska <laughs> has a couple wineries. Which is very interesting. They make ice wine. Super <laughs> cool. That being said, during the 1850s, wine actually wasn't super popular, though, just because it was super expensive to make. Whiskey or beer or hard ciders, those things were easier to make and less expensive. So... <laughs> It makes sense that wine didn't really become popular right away. So, of course, the United States became super excited about wine and wanted to try to elevate it, make it different, make it pop. So they tried all kinds of different things with these different grape varieties. They didn't want to go extremely traditional because they wanted to make something new in order to sell more, most likely. <laughs> But the tradition is still alive throughout today. Um, you know, like wines that we're trying right now, the red wine, it has that those traditional flavors, but it also has that little pop from the Chardonnay. So it's 
very much inventive, very much trying new things. So I think that the United States, all considered of what I can think of about the United States wine industry, I think that they're doing something right and something interesting. Yeah, for sure. I think that they're they're pushing boundaries. Whether it works or not is, you know, up to us to decide, I guess. But they're they're making uh, they're making new choices and and trying new things and seeing what people like. So I think that's yeah. cool. Being very modern. So. Well, uh, when we come back, we will try our second wine. Awesome. Well, welcome back, everybody. Yes, Cyrus. What is the wine that you brought today? Yeah, so uh, I have a 2020 uh, Riesling from the Finger Lakes in New York. Um, it's from Breakneck Creek uh, Vineyards, and uh, it comes in at 12.5% alcohol. That dreaded 12.5% that we had in our... Uh, My eyes twitching. Yeah, <laughs> in our two-buck chuck episode. So. But it's also interesting that it's called Breakneck it Must be vineyard. really steep. Oh, jeez. You know, right on the side of a hill? No. Now, on the on the uh, bottle here, it's got a picture of what appears to be an old-timey kind of uh, wine press and some kind of nice cursive lettering. And then it's also got a really interesting description of the very specific uh, details of the wine. We were laughing at this earlier. The Just the fact that it, it, it specifies that the grapes were facing west at an elevation of 784 feet specifically, uh, they were harvested on specifically October 15th of 2020, and there were 377 cases of this wine produced. Wow. It was sat in a gravelly silt loam and shale. I don't know if I'll be able to taste all of that. I mean, specificity is awesome in wine. We've talked I mean, about that before. You want, a, you want a Chianti. You don't want an Italian red, right? But... Um, you want west-facing grapes. Yeah. I, I think that it's a little interesting. Like, there's west bank versus, you know, or left bank versus right bank stuff in in Bordeaux, in, in France. It makes a difference. It's just, it's funny for us experiencing our first Riesling from New York and not knowing anything about it and getting this level of specificity. So descriptive. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I would never have bought a left facing or an east facing i mean that would have been embarrassing right it's like if you meet someone's baby for the first time and they hand you like the whole like birth certificate with their measurements and everything it's like i didn't need this i just wanted the <laughs> wanted to hold the baby i just wanted to say hello let's open this bottle yeah <laughs> well uh it's a nice golden kind of color and it's pretty light uh, but it's got like a ye yellow tinge. Yeah, I think a classic yellow white wine type of look for sure. There's no bubbles. I don't know what to expect. We've had Riesling in the past from Germany and it's been, you know, minerally. We we like the drier styles. There is sweet Riesling, but this is a, purportedly, it says on the bottle, it's dry. But It says dry. There is some residual sugar. It does list that there's a couple grams per gallon or per liter. Yeah, 3.8 grams per liter of residual sugar. Yeah. So, yep. So, uh, we'll, I guess we'll see how dry that comes across on our palates. But, um, yeah, let's smell it. Okay. Oh, that smells amazing. Yeah. Super floral. It's floral. It's apple orchardy. It's like when you p go to an apple orchard at the perfect time. 
where summer's just ending and fall is just beginning and you get those crisp fresh apples and then those floral notes a little bit of maybe crunchiness to it Mm -hmm. the fall leaves i'm feeling it yeah some lemon some sourness too Yep, uh, it could be a little bit of like malolactic something going on that could lend some creaminess in the taste. I guess we'll s- find out. Let's uh, let's taste it. Well, uh, the acidity is the first thing that hit me. I don't know about you. Well, the creamy texture hit my mouth first, so I do think it is creamy, just a bit. But it's it's like medium body creamy, and definitely full acidic flavor in there but it almost reminds me of like a lemon cake yeah it's sweet but not too sweet it's lemony orangey there's like some rind kind of bitterness um and a little bit of minerality like you know a flinty or what chalky i guess yeah like a homemade put all your you know hard work sweat into this delicious lemon cake that's not super sweet but has a hint of sweetness and comfort and moistness and creamy lemony you're projecting now delicious (laughs) 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 on a lemon cake (laughs) it's really good (laughs) if this is what west facing tastes like i wonder what east facing tastes like yeah very interesting that the (laughs) kind of the morning sun versus the afternoon sun you know yeah So Cyrus, what other facts do you have? Yeah, so one thing that I thought was interesting is that um, in the U.S., you only need to have 75% uh, of a certain grape in a wine to label it that way. So like you could have 75% Chardonnay and then 25% other grapes and then just call it a Chardonnay and you don't have to list the other grapes. So I thought that was interesting. Um, It allows blending to be a little more creative, but they can still market it the way they want to. Um, some states though, make it a little more strict. Like I think in Oregon where we had, uh, your one from, it needs to be 90% plus, uh, to be labeled a certain way. So I thought that was cool. On the other side of that, a lot of the wines that I saw at least were just like red blend or white blend. And I think it has to do with, it just has a ton of red grapes in it (laughs) that they didn't want to list it all on the label. Totally. So that's the other side of it. Yeah, right. If you can't reach 75% of any one grape, then it has to be labeled a blend. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, wine wasn't particularly popular, you know, way back when. But it, and it wasn't really until after the prohibition that it really got popular here in the U.S. Um, I think part of that was just it got easier to travel. There was more international travel. It was cheaper. And... Um, people's horizons got broadened, I guess, seeing all the amazing wine in other parts of the world. So uh, we didn't have the earliest start in wine here in the U.S., but uh, we hit the ground running and are now the fourth largest producer in the world. That's incredible. Just think about it. Other places have been doing this for years and years and years and years, like medieval times. (laughs) But we're just like just starting. We're babies yeah, it hasn't even been 100 years really since the American wine industry has gotten That is going. so crazy. We just hit the ground running. Yep. But um, 80% of that wine in the, that's grown in the U.S. is grown in California um, just because their climate is so Mediterranean that it kind of makes sense. Um, and then 
Washington, New York, and Oregon make up the next 17%, and the last 3% is all the other states combined. So it really is a Californian operation, but it's just their climate is so perfect for it. Well, uh, what did you think about our wines today? Well, overall, very happy with our choices. I went in kind of a pessimist, gotta say, but came out super optimist, super happy, very successful episode, I would say. And after this, I think we're available to finish them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that um, I wasn't quite as pessimistic as you. I've had lots of great U.S. wines, but uh, I th- I think that we chose two pretty good ones. And um, props to the post market where we usually buy them for stocking so many amazing wines that our choices are easy. Definitely. So I think overall, United States, you're having fun with it. And we are too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, as always, Brittany, it's been a pleasure drinking wine with you. And I with you, Cyrus. Alrighty. Bye now. Bye.